Runner on first base, two outs, and the pitch. The runner goes. The throw down to second base, the tag, he is out. And that is another caught stealing. Boy. <laughs> See that dump? Oh my. Okay. In the air to right, it's deep, it is gone. That is a three run homer. What a night for Hayward. He's knocked in four. And give him another hit. <laughs> That's now 15 straight. And somebody asked Buddy during the media Zoom call, do you see something different from Charlie? And I, I thought he was rather diplomatic in, in answering it. I mean, this has, you know, it's not like Charlie just fell off a turnip truck. He's been an elite hitter for a long time now. This ball's driven to center field and deep's got a chance. It is gone. Two run. Nolan Arenado home run. And the Rockies take the lead in the fourth. Four hits last night. And a two-run bomb here early. Trying to stay on top. Freeland, hot smash, handled at third by Arenado. Long throw to first, he gets him. Win the inning. Top of the order now. And Andy Young, who is 0 for 2, he's struck out and grounded up. And he'll hit it sharply. Nolan to his left dives, gets up, throws across, got him. Andy Young playing in just his sixth big league game. Got a taste of what gold is like. Could tell. Here's the 2-1. Swung on and hit in the air to right center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. He hit the back wall of the right center field bullpen. Oh, boy. A judging blast. <laughs> boy, did he hit it out. Ouch. We just said he gives up home runs. Here comes the judge. Braves playing back, looking for the double play. High drive, left field, going back Duval. Track, wall, see ya! A long home run for Foyt. A three-run blast, and the Yankees lead 3-0. Take it if it's not the pitch you're looking for. Popped him up on the infield. I got it, got it! Whoa. Oh, no, it falls in. The Orioles have scored two more runs. Miscommunication. I heard a late, I got it, I got it. Wow. It falls near the mound, and the Orioles have an 8-6 to six lead. Joe Girardi cannot believe that. A can of wow. corn on the infield. Well, this is the first, this is Hoskins' ball, the first baseman, all day long. It is on that side of the pitcher's mound. It is his ball to call it and take it, but at the last second, you hear Segura call it. I got it. See what happens? He stumbles coming across the mound, and when he stumbled, Watch him come in right here. You hear a late call. Him. There's a stumble. And when he stumbled going across the mound, that was it. What a. Lirico en la casa. Whoop, whoop. Lirico en la casa. Well. Esto una vaina movie pa' que la mami me va en su chapa. A mí me gustan las y. Las y. Pero que sean de raza. Esto una vaina movie pa' que la mami me va en su chapa. A mí me gustan las y. Las y. Pero que sean de raza. Uh, 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 uh,
Alright, here we go. We got some good things going on today. Because we're talking about week three in Major League Baseball. And let's just say I have Matt Chapman, Nolan Arenado. Are these two guys not the greatest two third basemen to ever play the game? And I know for you old-timers going to give me Brooks Robinson, Mike Schmidt. I love it. I believe they're fantastic. I heard Greg Nettles. I heard um, several others. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr. After he's moved from shortstop to third base. Yeah. You know what? I actually would put Cal Ripken Jr. up there. Brooks Robinson is the all-time greatest, in my opinion. He's the all-time greatest. But when it's said and done, Nolan Arenado will be the greatest of all time. Mr. Matt Chapman will be the greatest of all time. Let me tell you what happened this week. Matt Chapman played uh, versus Mike Trout and um, the, the Los Angeles Angels. And he went off. To be responsible for eight runs. Six runs for his team. And he saved two runs versus his team. Eight runs before the fifth inning. He also crushed the ball every rip. Every at-bat. Got robbed by a shortstop. And he got robbed by another, another defensive player. Defensive play. But the guy was electric. Electric. And we go over to Nolan Arenado and how great that guy was this week. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he's hit like 17 bombs this week or something. He's been remarkable. He's absolutely stunning at, at, at at third base. Made several big time plays. Uh, although his team is doing well, they've lost several games by embarrassing fashion. Something that I don't understand, one thing that I don't get, is how the Colorado Rockies have a guy that's batting 500 and probably the greatest player at his position of all time and a young or a good, consistent producing shortstop and they have a KG veteran that knows how to hit and a decent pitching staff I think one of the top starting rotations and they're getting shellacked all over the place in these last couple games I mean if I go over if I go over their uh, uh, their last couple games let's see Arizona, 13-7, they lost. Arizona, 8-7, they won. Arizona, 12-8, they lost. Um, Rockies didn't play. Oh, they did play. They lost 5-3 to Seattle. Uh, They won 5-0 versus Seattle. They won 8-4 versus Seattle. But, I mean... You look up and down their schedule. You look up and down their record. You know, San Francisco are losing 4-3. to three. I don't understand that. Although that was their third loss. I don't get it. I don't get it because they got all these studs. All these studs. And and you would think that they would get, you know, they, they, would, they would 
They would crush it. But they do got a winning record so far. They're, I believe, second. Let's see here where they're at. Um, they are 12-8, and eight, and the Los Angeles Dodgers are... No, no, no. 12-7, so they're one game back from the Dodgers. And they're tied. No, they're actually win. They're actually leading the division. And San Diego and the Dodgers are neck and neck. It's a good division over there at the West. But again, amazing, amazing, amazing performances by these guys. Doing really well. Uh, speaking of the Dodgers, they got this young kid named May, the redheaded kid. I'm just going to call him by his last name because he's, I mean, amazing. His stuff is really good. He's got really good stuff. Lost the other day, though. Gave up a two-run home run to Austin Hedges. But, I mean, really good stuff. Uh, you know, the, the Dodgers have to be winning short, shortly. They got such a great team. Um, yeah, we have um, we had the Battle of the Uniforms. Uh, by the way, because I think the brown pinstripe gray with yellow uh, Padres uniform is so ugly, it's good. It's such an ugly color match that it's they just look beautiful. I don't know what it is. And then you have uh, the Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays, now Buffalo Blue Jays, uh, wearing their all powder blues with... Royal Blue, oh man, really good, really good stuff. Kudos, kudos to that. I thought that was the highlight of the week. Really good. Um, uh, Phillies pitching woes. The Phillies have no pitching. It is uh, there. They also have the worst defender probably in baseball in the last 25 years. He is, without a doubt, the worst defender Gene Segura makes some of the worst plays that you can ever fathom. He is so bad with a glove. And I've and we've seen some bad players. But Gene Segura is so bad. I, I can't believe it. He single-handedly lost the game the other day. Oh, they lose again. Baltimore beat them. Um, I'm trying to look at the summary here. And they they it's it's a crap shoot. It's a crap show. I mean I can't tell you. I, I can't understand this. Uh the fills, the fighting fills, uh their lack of pitching. They got no pitching, no starting pitching, no bullpen. They're gonna have a lot of problems. I don't even think they get out of the east. They'll be um they'll be done. The way they're playing, they're five and eight, and the Baltimore Orioles are nine and seven. I heard Steve Stone, the Chicago White Sox broadcast, said that Baltimore won't even get to ten wins. <laughs> Look at that. He said something about they'll be gone, they'll be done before they even begun. And look at that. They're already. They're probably hit. They're probably get more wins than his beloved White Sox. But uh, yeah, the, the the Phillies pitching is awful. Uh, the Cubs quietly resurrecting that bullpen, getting more confidence. Cubs got the best record in baseball. They are uh, putting together uh, a nice campaign. They're doing all the little things, and this is the one major, major, major thing. 
It's a lineup construction. I've said this for the last, I don't know how many times you guys heard me on this podcast, but I've been saying this for years, always on lineup construction. Joe Madden and his, oh, oh, just throw a lineup, just throw guys in a hat and pull them out was ridiculous. The fact that he would put this pitcher batting eighth because he wanted the extra leadoff hitter, his best hitter batting second, when second is clearly the 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 spot for a hitter that can control the baseball bat and put the ball wherever it's pitched, hit behind runners, make contact when he needed to, doesn't strike out as much. That's a number two hitter, and that that's a perfect spot for Anthony Rizzo. He makes contact. He doesn't strike out. He gets long at bats. He's quality up there. And the, 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 the clear thing is that he makes contact. And he also puts pressure on the defense. They, it's a perfect situation. And now you have one through six. Every day is the same for the Chicago Cubs. And it's part of the reason why they're winning. Lineup construction is huge. You look at the winners. You look at the way they put streaks together. Look at the Oakland A's. Oakland A's had a what a nine game winning streak. They went, they lost one, and they got right back on the winning ways. Uh, look at their lineups. Let's go. We went a couple games back where they lost to the Angels, and here's their lineup. Their lineup consisted of uh, Simeon Loreno, Olsen, Chapman, uh, Canna, and then Grossman, Piscotti. All right, let's see what happened the following day. That day they lost. Here's the next day. Let's see if we can remember the lineup, right? These are two losses in a row for them. Simeon, Loreno, Ocean, Chapman, Canna, Grossman. There's there's no there's no disconnect here. I'm not I'm not a broken record. This is how winning teams do it. This is this is what happens. Here's Oakland's game. They won against the Angels. Here's their lineup. Simeon, Loreno, Olsen, Chapman, Canna, Grossman, Piscotti. It's the same top six all the time. Look at the winners. Look who's winning. Let's go to the Yanks. The Yankees, top six. LeMahieu, Volt, Hicks, Urshela, Torres, Ford. Uh, that's probably why. That's probably where... Somebody got day off, like Aaron Judge, or Aaron Judge is hurt or something. If you go back several days, look at the Yankees uh, lineup when they're winning. Here you go. Yankees box score lineup. LeMahieu, Judge, Hicks, Volt, Torres. Look at the next day. Yankees. Yankees. Yanks. Here we are. A win versus Atlanta. Box score. LeMahieu, Judge, Hicks, Volt, Torres. You see, there's no change here. This is the point. Now let's go to the Angels. Let's do an Angels little lineup. Let's look at the Angels lineup. They're 5-11, and 11, by the way. So here's the Angels lineup. Fletcher, Listella, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Goodwin. Adele. Which, by the way, Odell has been... Nothing short than just awful. Not impressed by his skill set. Don't look comfortable. Don't look good. He shouldn't even be in the big leagues. Joel Dell, anybody who's invested in him to be some kind of superstar in your memorabilia or sports cards, just throw those away. He's not anything special. 
Fletcher, Listella, Trout, Otani, Rendon. All right. This is the game they lost to Texas. All right. Let's see the next one. Angels. Angels of a hand. They beat Oakland. Here's the box score. Here's their Fletcher, Listella, Trout, Rendon, Otani, Pujols. Fletcher, okay. Let's go again. Let's see what um, the next game. Uh, mm, okay, here we go. Box score. And we got Fletcher, Listella, Trout, Rendon, Otani. Oh, has he learned something? Has he learned something over there? Let's see the next game. One more. I'll give you one more lineup. For your Anaheim Angels, which they lost this game. Let's see the box score. Fletcher, Listella, Trout, Rendon, Otani. Pujols. All right. All right. Odell dropped down. Goodwin dropped down. Okay. All right. Every game, it looks like. He's got the top, same top six. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that what that looks. But I know when Joe Madden was with the Cubs, he changed his lineup around. So much. It was ridiculous. He wanted everybody to get at-bats. Everybody needed at-bats. Screw that. It's not the way you win ball games. You need to put streaks together. Don't know why he didn't do that. So, we'll see what happens. Well, uh, another interesting thing that happened this week was three inside-the-park homers. Three. And two of them were given up by the White Sox. <laughs> That's something you don't you don't see very often, but there was three. And the other one was given up, I believe, by Texas. Um the Texas player played a ball into a, a four bagger. And then there was also something that happened this week that you won't see again. You won't see for a long time, which is by Joel Dell of the Anaheim Angels, a four base air. He had a ball dead to rights. He was halfway up the warning track, so not even at the wall. The ball hit his glove, and as he tried to, like, snatch it, the ball went over the fence. It was a four-base air. You'll never see a four-base air. Um, we mentioned Charlie Blackman earlier, uh, Chuck Nasty, and the guy's batting 500. How amazing is that guy? And the funny thing is, I don't think I think he be I think he's still a great hitter in another park or another team, but some something tells me that he fits that team to a T, like he fits it, and that's why he's doing so well. Is because not only he's got amazing talent and he's not he's a student of the game, but he's also one of these guys that uh, he hits the ball in the spot. I mean, he's comfortable there. He gets he feels good in. The, in the batter's box, and he feels good with that uniform on. He's just seems like a perfect player for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I'm a fan of his. I continue to watch him, continue to see what he does. Uh, grand slam by Manny Machado. That's interesting because it's one of those games that he hits a grand slam, and at that point you're thinking this would be a perfect time for a grand slam. Like this guy needs one. Uh, I believe he's only got four in his career. He really doesn't produce. I don't know. I could be wrong with that. But, I mean, he hits a grand slam, changes the whole game. There's been some grand slams hit this year. Uh, I want a good a good amount. Uh, but the way the grand slam changes the game, it's, it's remarkable. It's pretty impressive. Uh, one little thing that 
uh, before I forget, it escapes me, but I mean, I don't want it to escape me, is <clears throat> I find this to be interesting. And I think this, I wonder if this is only for this year, but players can wear whatever belt they want to wear. So you have your shortstop with a yellow belt and then the pitcher with a black belt uh, for like the Pittsburgh Pirates. You have a, uh, what's his other guy's, um, the Reds, a guy had a black belt, the other guy had a red belt, uh, the Giants, a guy had an orange belt, another guy had a black belt, that kind of, it's interesting, they're allowing them to be able to wear the belts that they want to wear, they're, they're basically being different, allowing them to be different in uniform, pretty interesting. For this segment, that's going to end it there. There's just there's still several games up that I want to review and talk about, but I'm hitting the clock here, so I got about four minutes left. I want to make sure I get all those within the time frame. But again, you'll hear this episode on Thursday or Friday, and we'll start week we'll start week four, or we'll start week yeah we'll start week four uh, sooner. Because uh, there's some interesting things going on. There, there's the 20-game mark, which is going to do a lot. It's going to say a lot about teams. Um, there may be teams clinching already around the 30-game mark. Because if you look at what's going on, you know, in theory, they're clinching. Um, you know, they're, they're clinching like they're, they're, they're basically cruising right along. And there's there's going to be so many games to come back from, um, you know. Then there has to be an epic collapse for them not to come back, for them to lose it. So we'll see what goes on. But this would be the first segment of this episode, and we'll finish off in the next segment. So thanks again, and we'll be right back. <laughs> John comes at batting 286, five home runs and 11 runs batted in. The one two. Trout loops one out to right center field. Piscotti's been a busy man through the first three batters. He's getting his exercise in. Here's the next pitch. He does pull that one. He's going to drop it in for another hit into left field. So Trout is two for two. Angels have a base runner. That is hammered out to left field. No doubt about it. Big fly for Mike Trout. <laughs> two run shot. Uh, that baseball got out quickly. That's one of those screaming baseballs off the bat for Trout. That is his 36th career home run for his Oakland, 428 feet. No way he's usually able to make that play with that hat. That was just a little bit too hard. Three runs scored, three hits for Trout. That is hammered out to left field. No doubt about it, he's done it again. And that one is line. Chapman with wow. a great diving play. Unbelievable. So Matt Chapman diving behind the bag at third. <laughs> well, let's see if it was going to be a fair ball. I think it was going to be. It was it going was. to be. Yeah, that's a, that's a double down the line. And 
Trout gave him, gave him a little bit of a smile, like, how did you do that? And Chappie a little smile back. That ball's hit deep to left center field, and that baby's gone. Chapman pulled his hands in very nicely, and bam, gone. And it was gone quickly, and no doubt. Two and two to Chapman. The pitch, breaking ball, hit towards center. Trout has a, a beat on it, back, and he looks, and oh, wait a minute, it's over the shrubbery and gone. And it's a two-homer night for Matt Chapman. With Olsen aboard, the A's have a 5-3 lead. Chapman's long ball bat is on fire. He's got six on the season, and the A's, who are down 3-0, have scored five unanswered runs on Julio Tehran. And that one is line. Chapman with wow. a great diving play. Unbelievable. Now let's see if it was going to be a fair ball. I think it was going to be. It was it going was. to be. Yeah, it's a, it's a double down the line, and Trout gave him, gave him a little bit of a smile, like, how did you do that? And Chappie a little smile back. Bases are loaded for Matt Chapman. Chapman drives one. Right center field. Nobody's going to get it. Bounces off the wall. One run scores. Here comes Loriano, And Loriano will score as well. All three runs wow. score. And Chapman ends up at third. Have a night. Well, he's going left field. He's going center field. And this one to right center. He waited for a breaking ball and skies it straight away center. See you later. Way up the batter's eye. And the Nats are making City Field look rather small tonight. It's 5-0. <laughs> if you could read lips, Trey Turner said, that's a something bomb. Get your dance on, boys. This is a big boy tater. Looks like an off-speed pitch. What a view, right? From behind the plate. This go over the apple. You can hear him dancing in the background, can't you? Keep dancing, fellas. Que tú no sales de ahí, 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 ahí Y yo quiero pegarme, más tú sabes dónde De ahí, 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 ahí Baby, que tienes esa pared Que tú no sales de ahí, 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 ahí Y yo quiero pegarme, más tú sabes dónde De ahí, 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 de ahí, ahí Now we're back We're gonna finish off this episode this week um, This is week three, week four I uh, wanted to get the ending of this week because um, we got a big series going on in Chicago, the Cubs and White Sox. It's it's huge. But before I got into that, I want to talk about what's going on in the last several days in baseball. Uh, we got the Padres hitting grand slams all over the place. We got the White Sox hitting home runs all over the yard. We have the Cubs striking out all different ways, up, down, left, right, sideways. We have the Boston Red Sox losing at an alarming rate. The Texas Rangers getting upset for uh, unwritten rules. Uh, 
Cincinnati's announcer getting just, well, canceling himself after making a gay comment, uh, um, a gay slur. And, uh, yeah, more doubleheaders, seven-inning doubleheaders. See, I don't know how I feel about them. I'm really conflicted because I think that this is starting to be a strategy for some teams. Now, granted, they're getting the COVID. Okay, they're getting the COVID. They got to cancel. They got to they gotta stop uh, their games or whatever. But the way they come back is seven-inning games. Cardinals got a load of seven-inning games. And they're winning some. They're losing some. But these teams can take advantage of it. Now, if it's not a plus, if it's not a bonus to any of them, um, then okay. Then... Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But if it does become a bonus, we wonder if it's a strategy. But I don't know if teams will say, oh, we got the COVID so we can sit out a couple games. I don't know that. But when it comes down to stretch, we'll see what happens. You know, uh, I, I don't put nothing past these ball clubs. But again, I just don't want MLB to say, oh, it's going to be on winning percentage now. No, you got to get these games in. Now, unfortunately, there hasn't been any rainouts or not a lot of rainouts. So... We can get these games in. Even if you had to do triple headers, getting the games in. We got to get the games in. Um, I found a new interesting player. Uh, he plays for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays or Tampa Bay Rays. And his name is Joey Wendell. Now, the guy's batting 281. He's a lefty second baseman. He's not a guy that's going to just knock you off your feet. Uh, but he's interesting. He's 30 years old. He bats lefty, throws righty. He's played. He's had 57 at-bats. He's got one home run, seven RBIs. But this is the thing. His approach at the plate is unique, and it's different. While the ball, the pitch is coming to home plate, his hands are going backwards. So it tells me that he's either seeing the ball good or he relies on his hands to be very, very, he's confident on his hands to be at the spot they need him to be. I, I, I haven't seen that. i gone off and I looked at Carlos Correa, and his hands stay right there until they come through the zone. They don't go backwards. They don't go down. They don't go up. His hands stay right there. Now, I wonder which one is best. Carlos Correa is the number one pick, was the number one pick in the draft. Uh, bats third on the Houston Astros. He's batting 315. He's a right-hander. Uh... 89 at-bats, three home runs, 14 RBIs. His hands are real quiet and then explode. Wendell, on the other hand, brings his... On the other hand... Well, yeah. <laughs> he brings his hands back to come forward. And then I watch uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. And he does the same, the same thing. His hands go backwards. So I wonder, is this a way to generate, but I wonder, is that generating power? Is that going, what, what's with that approach where your hand's going back? Now, 109 at-bats, 312, 12 home runs, 29 home uh, RBIs, an OPS of 1092. That's Fernando Tatis Jr.'s line. He's coming backwards while the pitch is going in, and he's hitting the ball to all fields. So I, I, it gets me, it got me thinking a little bit, and I'm curious about it. 
the approach at the plates is really, really interesting. So I thought this week was interesting with the Padres because you have unwritten rules, you have grand slams all over the place. But this is a team with enormous amount of talent. And they're only they're only twelve in uh uh they're only twelve and twelve or or twelve and eleven. And I wonder about that. I'm very they're fifteen and twelve, I'm sorry. And I wonder about that because they seem to be a lot better team. But again, this time last week, the Rockies were in first place. And now they're 13 and 12. They're falling fast. Their pitching has been ridiculous. They had this long home stand and their pitching is falling apart. Uh, it, it's, it's making me even more wondering. It was making me even think more about Colorado getting rid of Nolan Arenado and Chuck Nasty. And because they're just not going to be able to compete. They're not going to be able to sustain. Uh, throughout these years, with the way they're doing things, they're not going to be able to sustain because the Padres and the Dodgers are just so much better. Uh, and they have these guys that are really are ready, really willing and ready with this want to be great. So it's going to be hard for the Rockies. And then we're going to go to the bottom of the barrel, right? We're going to go with Seattle. We're going to go with Pittsburgh, the Angels. We're going to go with the Boston Red Sox. That's the bottom of the barrel, y'all. Phillies got nine wins. Detroit's got nine wins. But we're talking about Seattle, Boston, and Pittsburgh. These are some bad, bad ball clubs. Four and 17 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's atrocious. Uh... Boston is 8 and 18, and they got one of the highest payrolls. That's bad. That's bad. They're done. These games are, these teams are done. They're just playing out the string. I wouldn't be surprised if they just cancel their own season. But again, you know, this week has been interesting. And going forward, I might, I might do some mini sods just based on the Cubs White Sox series this weekend. But to look over it, if we look over it in a nutshell, we're looking at um we're looking at a team on the rise then a team that is full of champions but the white sox are the only thing that seems to be like in their way is the twins and injuries but i still don't trust the manager i don't know if there's a lot of want to in that ball club, Moncada looks like he doesn't care. Ido Jimenez looks like he's going through the motions. You know, Robert looks like he cares. Tim Anderson looks like he cares. Abreu looks like he cares. But uh, Yasmani Grandel doesn't look like he cares. We don't know. You know, maybe the pitching staff, all the pitching staff cares. We know Dallas Keiko ran in. You know, they got on a five-game win streak because right after Dallas Keiko got into them and, you know, gave them the big, you know, the the FU in the, in the dugouts, I mean, in the clubhouse. So we'll see how it goes. And the Cubs, we know the Cubs are going to be different. Schwarber may be gone. Bryant may be gone. Um, Ian Happ may be gone. There's going to be a, a lot of players. Lester may be gone after this year. 
we those are a lot of, it's going to be a lot of turnover at the same time the payrolls are coming down for both teams white Sox payroll is going to be real low next year cubs payroll is going to be real low it's going to give it even lower if they don't do nothing the next coming years after that and the thing that i look at is i got to look at players getting better you got to look at players with this drive and this hunger to want to compete at a high level and, and the ownership's got to want to compete also but something tells me that the Ricketts ownership group loves taking home profits. And by getting to the playoffs, all they've done is take home profits. Now, they've done a lot of work in putting money back into the stadium, back into the teams. So that's been good by them. And now they're going to they're gonna reward themselves by allowing, you know, to cash in on all the renovations and all the investments they've done into Wrigleyville. But, you know, as soon as COVID ends, that's when they're going to see more of the in, of the influx, especially with the marquee network. So it's hard for me to see the Cubs going backwards and rebuilding to try to get, you know, with a new network. I, I think they're going to be retooling and I think they're going to mix in some young prospects. So like a, something of trading a Contreras and a Bryant for prospects, picking up a Lindor, picking up a top pitcher trading for Nolan Arenado, but still having a flux, a good influx of prospects at the same time. I think that's the way the Cubs are going to go. They're not going to tank it. They can't afford to tank it. They have this network they're trying to make money on. So that's the way they're. I believe they're going to do it. In the White Sox standpoint, I think they're going to get rid of Renteria after this year. They're going to bring in a new manager that's going to try to take them to the next level. It's got to be a manager with substance if they do so. Renteria has had made some major, major mistakes. He really doesn't know. He really loves power. And he just doesn't let these guys just go play. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see what comes up. In my opinion, White Sox win two out of three this weekend. They're just a better team right now. They're hitting better. Their pitching is doing enough. I think they're on, you know, they're they're playing better at this moment. The White Sox are I mean the Cubs are grinders. They will play hard. They will put it together. But when you're relying on Bodie and Hap to do things, and I'm looking and I see, and I see um, uh, Mr. Rizzo, and every time I see Rizzo, he's always doing something good. But recently, he has not. He has not done that good. And, and there was a little highlight, but Rizzo... He's got a 230 batting average. 78 at bats, five home runs, nine RBIs. Eh, that's not good. And 855 OPS. That's just not good overall. But I see him and he's doing well. Baez is even worse, 189. Schwarber's at 227. They're just bad. They just can't hit. Almora's batting 105. Contreras is batting 225. Hayward, who's having all these problems before the season, he's batting 271. Carantine's batting 275. Horner, 204. Bodie, 220. Kipnis, 282. They just can't hit. And I don't know what it is. Do you have to get rid of the, the hitting coach? Do, do you got to stop trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark? Well, I don't know what it is. We don't know what to do here. Ian Happ is batting 315. But you cannot rely on Ian Happ. Can't rely on him. 
If you if you have to rely on him, I think you're going to be in trouble. But if you're relying on him and the pitching staff is solid, okay then. We can do something. But is Ian Happ making a, you know, coming out party? If he is, look to trade him in the offseason, please. Please. Because you, you just can't rely on him. Just can't rely on him. Um, yeah, it's really disappointing in Schwarber. If I look at Schwarber's stats... You have 75 at bats, 227, four home runs, 10 RBIs. Ugh, that's just grotesque. That's just, uh, oh man, it's just bad. 220. Here he goes. Doubles, three doubles, no triples, four home runs, 13 walks, one intentional, 33 strikeouts. He's had 75 at bats. I say that again. 75 at-bats. That's a 44%. It's 44%. He's at 44% strikeout rate. Uh, I That is... That's... That's major suckage. Major suckage. Here we go to another guy here. This is why I think the Cubs are going to just tank towards the end. And I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Cubs fan, and this is why I think they're just not going to last. 34 strikeouts to 90 at-bats. Javi Baez is striking out at a 37% clip. If you just touch the ball twice, you're probably getting a hit. If you just make contact ten times, you probably get two hits. Rizzo. Let's look at Rizzo's strikeout rate since we're on a roll here. We might as well talk about the elephant in the room, and it's the strikeouts. And you got 78 at-bats. You have... How many strikeouts? 18 strikeouts. Not bad. What's that like? Uh, 78. He's 23% clip in strikeouts. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Let's look. Let's look at Fernando Tatis Jr. Let's just look at him. Let's look at Fernando Tatis Jr. And let's look at his strikeout rate. The guy's batting 317. Got 109 ABs. Right? Um, 2020. 109 at-bats. 35 strikeouts. 32% clip. Not good. But when he makes contact, he's getting base hits, right? How many times has he walked? 12 times he's walked. All right. Let's go over to the great. Let's go over to the great Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson and his. Lucas Giolito goes to the hill. His um, box score. Batting 379 with 66 at-bats, which seems to me this is becoming a habit now. Strikeouts. Okay, so he's walked 
three times. <laughs> but he's got 14 strikeouts. 14 strikeouts. Striking out a 20, 21% clip. The moral of the story here is that there's too many strikeouts. Way too many strikeouts. Um, I'm going to look at Jimenez's stats and his strikeouts here. The game is becoming cricket. He's had 91 at-bats. That's almost 30 more and 24 strikeouts. doesn't strike out. 26% clip. Wow, that's 40 more. That's that's almost 30 more than Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is get 30 more at-bats. Is he batting 379? Probably not. Mm, mm, mm. Um, Lindor. Lindor and Baez get always mentioned in the same in the same conversation. Let's look at his stats. He's at 225, four home runs, 13 RBIs. Not very good. 680. He's got 102 at-bats. And he's striking out 22 times. Um, 21% clip. Seems like the average is 20, 21% clip. Let's look at Chuck Nasty. How about Chuck Nasty? He's the best hitter in the game by far, batting 424. And um, he's 34 years old. He has had 99 ABs. He has also had 16 strikeouts. Six, 16 strikeouts. It's at 16%. Wow. Guy is really good. He's only walked eight times. But he's really good. Really good. It's, it's phenomenal. Nolan Arenado strikeouts. Because a lot of these guys with low batting averages is because they strike out too much. Um, they just got to get made contact. My guy here got 94 at-bats. And he's only struck out seven times. Whoa. That's not even a percent. I mean, 7%. Whoa. How many walks? Seven walks. So is, what is he doing? Is he was making soft contact then? This is what's got to be going on. That's weird. That's interesting. Seven home runs, 15 RBIs. 234 batting average. Hmm. Well, there you go. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes down in uh, the grand scheme of things. But again, Cubs, White Sox this weekend, big series. See what goes down. And let's see what the Cubs can do. Thanks for listening. It's Call Stealing with E. Marquez. Appreciate your time and efforts. Uh, share, follow, check us out. Check out our partners, manprods.com. Great4.men, uh, investandcollect.toys, and uh, look us up on Facebook and Instagram. It's called Stealing with E. Marquez. Thank you. Take care now. Here we go. What's up, y'all? It's called Stealing with E. Marquez. It's been a little hiatus. 10 days, 11 days, been out. Uh, gotten a lot of things done. I've had a couple weddings. Uh, I have to do a couple birthdays, and now we are back and loaded. 
My last show was uh, September 11th, and I'm going to try to do a series of shows. I'm going to give you a week in review, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some little fundamentals or little strategy tips and a little things that I find unusual or I find interesting that's going on with the gameplay right now. All right. If you remember way back when I said that these teams are just taking this season as if it was just 60 of 162. And they're not playing to win a game. Now they're coming down the stretch with five games, seven games, four games left. And they're coming down the stretch trying to win or trying to get that playoff vibe, playoff atmosphere. And it's kind of like backfiring on them because they could have easily went out and won games and went for winning games, you know, by playing tournament baseball, by playing small ball, by making sure they move runners over, making contact. You know, making contact is the most important thing because you want to put pressure on the defense. So there's been an exordinate, exordinary, let me check that, extraordinary amount of swing and misses and looking. Look, we get it, and I hate saying that, but we pretty much understand as fans. We know you guys want to hit the long ball, and we know that the pitchers that are facing you guys throw 97 miles an hour on a regular. We know that, but you guys have more ability with that baseball bat than those pitchers with that ball because they lose contact with that baseball while it's traveling from their hand to the mitt and they can't throw every day they have to recover you can hit every day you can work on techniques of hitting every day you got all you got full control of the bat in your hands you never let it go so you should have the advantage you're major leaguers, guys. You guys can do big things. You guys have extraordinary ability. But overall, the swing and misses is ridiculous. And the looking at the ball down the middle of the plate. That's been a, new, that's been a fairly new thing, although it happens a lot lately in the big leagues. The fouling off hittable pitches and pitches that should be hit hard... Uh, that's going to happen, sure. When you're in a slump, you tend to get those, you tend to do a lot of that. But looking at a pitch that goes right down the middle of the plate, that's another That's another phenomenon to me. So here it is. So on September 12th, the Cubs, I'll start with the Cubs because they're the first one on my list here, on my on the scoreboard. The Cubs were losing... And they just finished coming back from a game on Friday where they got um, two hit. And they lost one nothing to the Brewers. Okay. And on Friday, they're getting zero. They're getting like one or two hits into the, full, into the ninth inning when they go against Josh Hader, the Milwaukee Brewers closer. They miraculously put four runs up. Uh... There's this kid called Idilmaro uh, Vargas. He hits a home run off of, off of Josh Hader. I haven't seen him since. 
don't know if he got hurt or sent back down. I don't know. But you feel like, whoa, that was a big turning point in that. And it did. The following day, Alec Mills throws a no-hitter. Alec Mills, who was a walk-on on his college baseball team, University of Tennessee Martin. And he throws a no-hitter. Cubs scored 12 runs. I believe, if I look at their schedule, the Cubs has been in double digits this season twice. Uh, I'm looking back at their schedule. Uh, they've been in double digits just once in September. Double digits. Uh, nope, 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 nope. Um, zero times. Oh. Once in August, and then uh, two times, two times I'm looking at that they've scored double-digit runs, and both on the road. They ended their home season with the worst batting average at Wrigley Field in the history of the Chicago Cubs, and they've only had two games where they... Scored double-digit runs. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves have had, what, nine? So anyway, we'll go down the list. We'll go down to some meaning, some interesting, you know, weekends or interesting takes here. Uh, or interesting games. So here, uh, the Yankees get healthy. And all of a sudden, they go on a run. The Yankees go on a tear. Their last several games have been, I mean, they're scoring runs massively. So 12 runs on the 22nd, uh, 8 runs on the 19th, 10 runs on the 17th, 13 runs on the 16th, 20 runs on the 15th. Um, they score, uh, they're just, so on the 9th, I believe that's when they start getting healthy. They scored seven runs because they've been a little bit uh, slumping because, you know, they haven't been healthy. But they're back in the fold. They're going to make the playoffs. And they look like you don't want to face them in the postseason. So overall, in the last 10 days, what I have seen is I have seen an Atlanta Braves team that has gone off. Atlanta Braves in the last 10 days, I'll give you what they've done. I just think that this is a team that you don't want to fool with. I think Freed, their, their ace pitcher, has won the... I mean, I think he missed several weeks or a week. And uh, he's won the National League Cy Young. I thought you Darvish had a great chance. But Freed has won it. He's got an ERA 1.6 or something, 7-0. and you uh, Darvish is choking it away. He's not playing pitching well the last couple of days. I mean, he's given up home runs. He's lost games 3-0 to zero and 2-0. to zero. Not his fault, but he's pitched well, but Freed is just dominating. Here's the Atlanta Braves the last 10 days. Win to Miami. Win to Miami. Uh, so three, three, four wins out of five days, five games. And those runs they scored 15, 7, 5, 11. Uh, before that, they... Messed around with Baltimore, and then they've won, won with Washington. But they're scoring runs. They also scored 29 runs, as you mentioned before. 
They scored 29 in the game. And that was a funny, the interesting thing about that was it was from inning 2 to 7 that they scored all those runs. It's fascinating. Uh, we continue. Uh, the Red Sox are done. It's 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 head scratching to think what they're gonna do next. Like what are they gonna do next? Because they have no no end in sight. They have to get rid of a lot of players to start fresh. Do they have their own network? It's gonna be hard. Are they gonna sign free agents? I don't think they're gonna want to do that, especially when you have their current players who were free agents or attained by free agency saying that they need video that they need video, uh, in-game video to be able to compete. So, uh, I think that uh, I think that the Boston Red Sox they're going to be in a mix of rebuilding for a long time. We'll see if they spend money, and then they do really they do have a high payroll. So we'll see. The Phillies have been an enigma. We don't know. We don't understand how they continue to lose. That the they have a position, a wild card position in their laps. They're they're the front runners for the wild card, and they continue to lose. In the last several, in the last ten days, the Philadelphia Phillies has gone. Uh, um, well, I don't know what they did today. I think I didn't see what they did today, but they lost to Washington yesterday. They lost. I mean, on the twenty first, they lost Toronto. Uh. They they split a doubleheader in Toronto. Here we go. They lost two games to the Nationals to on the twenty second. On the eighteenth, they split. Uh, no, actually, they won them both against Toronto. Lost against the Mets. Lost against the Mets. Beat the Mets. Lost against Miami. Uh, got swept again in a doubleheader in Miami, and then won in Miami, and then in a doubleheader on the eleventh. They split. So they're they're really inconsistent. A really, really this is the team you want to face in the playoffs. You really want them to get in to face the playoffs because they don't do anything. They don't do anything right. They do a lot of things wrong, but they haven't been anything uh they they just haven't been consistent. They haven't done much. Um the Indians and the twins in American League Central have done some things that are interesting. In the standings, at this point, I'm looking at the scoreboard on the 13th of September. And at this point in the standings, uh, Minnesota was below the White Sox. Cleveland was below the White Sox. And the White Sox were up. I think the White Sox were number one at the time. So, um, Minnesota has a chance to win a division. Minnesota went... Into Chicago South Side, and they lost two to three. And you thought they were done, but now they got a chance to win a division. White Sox are pummeling. They they if they don't hit home runs, and I've stated this before, if they don't hit home runs, they don't score runs. Uh, they are a resilient bunch. They do they do uh, they make it hard on the pitcher, and you know you gotta you gotta play defense against against them because you want to keep them in the ballpark. You keep them in the ballpark, you're gonna beat them. But they're 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 coming down. They can go anywhere from one through five, uh, because they've been very inconsistent down the stretch. The Reds is the interesting team to me. The Reds is a team you don't want to face in the playoffs in a three game series. You have no interest in that. And I'm looking directly at the Cubs, because the Reds are built offensively to beat the Cubs. They're they're built offensively to lift the ball in the air, to get the ball into the jet stream. Uh, they take sinkers. And they take uh, 
hanging sliders and they lift the ball. Uh, their pitchers throw hard. Their pitchers uh, in the bullpen and the starters, they average around 95, 96 miles an hour. Cubs bats, they're non-existent this year. And when they are, they can't catch up to 96, 95 miles an hour. And they're really bad at uh, pitch selection to swing at. So uh, this is a matchup that the Cubs don't want. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals, on the other hand, is a matchup that you want in the, in the playoffs because they're really not a good team. It's Smokey Mares. They they've played so many, they've played so many um, double headers. It, it's it, you know you don't you can't really tell what kind of team the Cardinals are, but this is the team you want to play in the playoffs. They have one legit starter. The rest are meh. Their bullpen is meh. It's regular. But look at the the last the last month, how many double headers they played? They've played Milwaukee two sets of double headers, Detroit a double header, Minnesota double header. Uh, they played the Cubs a double header. So one, two, three, four, five double dips, and then they still have and then that's it. And then they still have one more left. So that's ten games. So if you split that five and five, they really you really can't tell what kind of team they are, but you can see they're, they're really not, you know, they're, they're a team of longevity. They're a team built for 162. They want to sneak up on opponents. They don't want opponents to be ready for them. They want opponents to overlook them. And you know, that's how they get by. They have a fantastic catcher who kind of knows everybody in the league. So that's how they get by. But that's a team you want to face in the playoffs. Uh, we go over to the athletics. Athletics have been phenomenal. The A's, they look uh, really good. Uh, they're in the postseason. They will be second. They're 33-20 and 20 in the, as of September 22nd. And in the first round, they would play Cleveland, which would be a tough matchup. But since that would be at Oakland, uh, it's going to be better for them. Cleveland will have to travel, but Cleveland has the experience. Their core has been there. They got good pitching. They got fantastic pitching. The Oakland has fantastic pitching, too. But it's a three-game series, so anything can happen there. I like the A's a lot. I think they're a fantastic team, fantastic franchise. So they've been doing some things. Dodgers are running away with the uh, the Dodgers are running away with the postseason. I mean, with the regular season, they should be playing either the Giants, Rockies. Uh, they will have problems if they play the Reds, uh, but or the Brewers. They should be playing, but. Yeah, they're 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 in um, they're set in a decent spot. Marlins are gonna sneak into the playoffs. It looks like they're gonna be into the playoffs, and it's very interesting because of what they are. You know, they they're a team of a bunch of minor leaguers, and they're getting they're getting better, and they're getting a lot more uh, unity and, and and cohesiveness together. So they're getting into the playoffs. They're gonna be interesting to see how they're gonna be, how they're gonna get out. But that's another team you wanna play in the playoffs. Um, the Mets, they would be an interesting team in the playoffs, but they ain't got no chance. They've choked away so many opportunities in the last several days. And the Rockies are one of the teams that are on that, on that, um, the cusp of that wild card. You want to play them in the playoffs. You want to get them, uh, because they, they seem to be like that team that just goes through the motions and doesn't bring their energy, although they got a lot of talent. And their pitchers and their pitching staff has been really good for for the majority of the 60-game season. 
San Francisco Giants, like I said, on the cusp, they are at the bottom, but that's a team that's unique. They've they fought and battled their way in, and we'll see what what um, they're capable of doing. Uh, you know, but that's another team that it would be a, I believe, would be a cupcake team in the playoffs. The Astros is interesting. What would the Astros be like in the postseason? They have some pedigree. They got no starting pitching. No starting pitching. Verlander is going to get Tommy John. What I don't understand is how Verlander is getting Tommy John now. Uh, he's pretty much done for all of 2021. So is he going to continue? Is he not going to continue? I don't know. Should he retire? I don't know. But a little bit of storylines that are happening within the um, within the MLB. San Diego Padres. That's a team that's going to be tough. They're going to be fidgety. They can hit up the ball out of the ballpark. They're fast. They play defense. And they got really good pitching, really underrated pitching. So that's a team that you don't want to mess with. And I think they're going to go deep in the postseason. I think they're going to shock some people. And uh, I think they're going to do. They're going to have a nice little run. As it stands right now, September 22nd, the postseason bracket has the National League, the Dodgers facing the Brewers, the... Char- the Cardinals facing the Padres, the Marlins versus the Cubs, and the Reds versus the Braves. I would put in my in my mind the Dodgers versus the Padres in that NLDS, the Cubs versus the Reds in that NLDS because I think the Reds will beat that team that they play in the first round. If they get into the postseason. They'll beat that team. And according to this, remember, the NL Central was the worst division in baseball, you know, half half of games ago. And they would have four representatives in this tournament. So, yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good haul for a division that wasn't supposed was was playing like crap. All up and down the division. And they had the worst team in the division in the Pirates. So... And four of the five get in, that's pretty astonishing. On top of that, if it continues like that, I would say it would be the Padres versus the Cubs because although the Reds are tough in a three-game series, I think you could beat them in a five-game because their their ace or whoever will fall to their to would have to have two games in a five-game series, I think you could take advantage of them. And if it's Trevor Bauer, he chokes in the playoffs. You take advantage of them. And that'll be a matchup there. Even though it will go five games, I think the Cubs will pull it out. But um, And I think the pitching in the Cubs staff will do better. And I think the Padres beat the Cubs to go to the World Series in the NLCS. And that would be the end of the run for the Cubs core because I don't think Chris Bryan will be coming back. I don't think Schwarber will be coming back. Almora, I don't think... Um, Contreras would be coming back. I think all those guys would be getting traded. In the American League, you got Tampa Bay versus the Blue Jays, Yankees versus Twins, Astros versus White Sox, and Indians versus A's. And I'm going to go off and say the Tampa Bay moves on. The Yankees move on because they always beat the Twins. The White Sox move on because the Astros can't pitch. And the A's move on. And then I would have the Tampa Bay Rays beating the Yankees. Then I have the A's beating the White Sox. And then the A's will be beating the Tampa Bay Rays 
to face the Padres in the, in the World Series. And that's if the way it goes now. There's so many different scenarios that can happen. I'll give you an example. In the standings at this moment, you have Tampa Bay, Oakland, and the White Sox all within one game. So one game in a loss column. And they're going to play all 60 games. There's not going to be no rainouts or anything like that. They're going to play all 60 games. And then you also have Minnesota, who's one game behind the White Sox. So Minnesota can easily get into the second or third spot. Uh, then you have the Yankees, who the highest they can go would be the fourth seed. But they're two games behind that um that fourth seed. So there would be 23 losses. Minnesota's 22 and the White Sox are 21. So they can still catch the Minnesota, but they will need a second win to be able to secure their spot. Um, I mean, you know, to get up. The Yankees can get up as high as four. Uh, the Astros are staying at six. They can, yeah, the Astros ain't going nowhere. They're, sp- they're sitting at six. Uh, Cleveland will sit at 7, and Toronto will sit at 8. So that's pretty much set. 6, 7, 8. Now, can Cleveland climb up into the division championship? It would be a long haul, but they're three games out of from the lost column versus the White Sox and two games from Minnesota. So I think it's a Minnesota and White Sox chase for that uh, that spot. So the way it sits now, that's how it would be. So you would have... You know, like I told you earlier, one versus eight, two versus seven, it was already set up. In the National League, uh, Atlanta and the Cubs are one game off of each other. So that's two and three. So Cubs can strategically place themselves somewhere, somewhere if they want to fate who it depends on who finishes where. San Diego Padres will stay in the fourth slot. They don't move. They won't go down. They won't go up. Uh... The Marlins are 27 losses, and the Cardinals are 25. Can the Marlins catch the Cardinals? I don't think so. So I'm going to say the Cardinals stay at 25. Cincinnati is 28 losses. Um, They're at 36 games. They're at 56 games. And the Cardinals at 27-25, they're at 52 games. So they got four more games left. They got four more. Um, on top of the Reds. So the Reds only got four, Cardinals got eight. So that will tell a big, dif- a big difference. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers are 27, and they play a lot of games. They play five games versus the Cardinals. So that's going to determine five, seven, and eight. Uh, six won't be going anywhere. Six will be staying with the Miamis. Uh, the Phillies are two games out, and that's it. But the Phillies are done. Mets are done. Uh, they're already at 29 losses. So San Francisco's got 27. They're right there with the Brewers. Uh, they got one more, one game less than the Brewers. And um, that, that will, they can fight it out there. I like, to see, I like to see the NL Central make it so we can see how you know, quality that division was. Um, as a Cub fan, I would like the Cubs to be playing the Cardinals or to be playing the Miami uh, and not mess with the Reds or and then just see the Padres later on. The reason why the bracket works in the Cubs' favor, in the way I suggested it earlier, the Cubs playing Miami Marlins would be ideal. That would be perfect for what the Cubs need. need 
that playoff atmosphere, that that extra boost. And then playing the Reds or the Braves would be a a good challenge, but it wouldn't be a automatic like man, you know, you got to raise your game higher. You just got to play your game, you'll be fine. Atlanta will be at the odds on favor, but I just think the Reds just have the it to win a three-game series. They just do. They just do. And they won't have no pressure. So in a five-game series at Houston, away from, you know, familiar parks, I think Cincinnati will struggle then. But um, And then the Cubs would only have to play the Padres once. It would be something if they would have to play Padres and the Braves and the Dodgers. That would be a pain. So, for example, if the Cubs went up to three to two, and then they faced the Reds first, and then wound up facing uh, like the Braves after that. That'll be tough. That'll be a tougher uh, road. But overall, I think that it, it, I, I want to believe that the playoffs are just going to be an amazing amount of just baseball. I think it's just going to be special, special baseball. I want to believe that because I think a lot of these guys want the season to be over with. A lot of these players do. And I and and it just looks like it in what they're trying to do and what they're showing us. But overall, I, I think it's been a successful season. They've been able to work around the virus and stuff. But I, I think that a lot of guys do want this they do want this season over with just to move on to the off season. They they, they played this season to get their service here. And to become free agents. That's that's what they played for. Like what Yasiel Puig did, which was an embarrassment. You know, these are the kind of guys that, you know, they shouldn't even be in the big leagues. The integrity that they do is just ridiculous. Um, he left, opted out after his mandatory like seven or eight games, counted for his service time. And he said because he felt like he wasn't going to get the playing time with the Mets and whatever, whatever. How, how do you put that guy on your team? How do you put your guy in your, that guy on your team if you're a GM? I don't understand that. I don't understand that. But those are the kind of things that's like, mm, nah, I'm not feeling that. So recently, I've seen some things that have been alarming. And the next episode, I'm going to go over some things uh, like what hitters are doing, their approach at the plate, and what they should be doing. And, and these are some videos that I've posted on Instagram and how Ian Happ is one example he was running base, he was a, he was on second base in an extra inning game, and a rare hit happens by by uh, Chris Bryant. And this 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 runner doesn't even go to score. He goes back to the base thinking that the sorts the shortstop or the second baseman was in a shift that they're gonna if the ball was hit right that right at him. And and it's just fascinating to me that big leaguers can make this mistake. They can make these running, these blunders. But, the, you know, I'm going to talk about things that happen in the big leagues that they're head scratchers because as a little leaguer, you're taught on how to play the game like this. I hear this. You know, we hear this. Oh, that guy gets paid to strike us out or that guy gets paid to hit my fastballs. Oh, the, you know, Major League Baseball is different from Little League Baseball. No. I'm, you know, baseball is baseball. I get this is a business. This is a business, yeah. And players play and players 
win and managers manage. You got a stud player, you got to let him play. But he can't Cadillac it. He's got to hustle. He's got to care. He's got to be there to put in effort because there's 25 other guys putting in effort. So you can't just uh, 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 Jonas Cespedes it. You know, you can't do that because you lose all respect. So you have to give all your effort. And, you know, these star players, yeah, every player needs to be managed differently. That's just how great managers and supervisors in any work, in any work field would, would be, would have a successful leadership career. So you have to, you have to manage everybody differently. But the stars, they, they should be able to continuously make adjustments to their game. Now I heard A-Rod recently say that you could throw this year in the garbage. Don't put it like, oh, you know what, we're going to judge this 60 games and determine your long-term contract. Now I disagree. I disagree. Because this was even more telling when there was no in-game video to make adjustments at, your, at the plate. When there was, you know, more eyes on you than any ever before. When you had to play doubleheader games after one game after another doubleheader game, you should have been able, you know, to make your adjustments. And then if you win in that scenario, that that you've overcome a lot. So the next episode, I'm gonna go ahead and get into more detail about just a little bit of fundamentals, you know, a little bit of mental toughness. So stay tuned. Uh, you know, get yourself a beverage and. Uh, Pop in my next, pop in the next episode when it's up. All right. Thanks, guys. This is Carl Stealing with E. Marquez. See ya.